You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today. Happy Easter to you all uh, on this anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus our Lord from the dead. Every uh, Sunday of the year is a holy day uh, as we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus our Lord. And every day is a holy day as we walk with the Lord because of the resurrection of Jesus. But today is still extra special to us because of the anniversary of Jesus' resurrection. And it's, a, it's, an, it's an odd Easter for us. Uh, many of our people uh, cannot be here with us in person, but are with us online. I saw some of them uh, a few minutes ago. They didn't see me, but I saw them. Glad that you're here with us if you're uh, worshiping with us from home today. And uh, our other interpreter, uh, Johnny, was sick this week a little bit. Not COVID as previously reported, so we were glad to hear that. Uh, he is with us online uh, interpreting for the deaf by computer, and so we've got uh, an unusual setup here today, and I was just texting him. He was asking whether it was working, and it is. It's working well, and so Johnny, we appreciate you uh, serving from home today. Thank you. And we're, we're worshiping with masks on and so that muffles our singing when we want to cry out to God full voice with whatever ability he has given us. Uh, and it's just kind of muffled by the mask. But God hears our hearts even more than he hears our voices. And so we know he understands uh, what we're trying to say to him. And so we're grateful for that. Most of all, we're grateful to be together. We were not able to be together last Easter, and so today is a blessing to us, and it's so good uh, to be with each of you. So welcome to you all and to our guests. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Successful students everywhere succeed because they've learned this truth, this truth that we see uh, everywhere in life and that we see very clearly in the kingdom of God. Mothers who have given birth, have lived this truth. Christian martyrs have died in the hope of it because Jesus embodied it first at the cross and then at the empty tomb. This great truth first comes suffering, then comes glory. First comes suffering, then comes glory. Jesus suffered, and then he was glorified. From his suffering we learn endurance. Because of his glorification, we live in hope. Last week on our journey through the Gospel of Luke, as we've been studying about the life of Jesus and his ministry, as we've been learning what it means to follow him, we read last week about the crucifixion of Jesus, his suffering and his death on the cross, his burial. Today, we close our study of the Gospel of Luke with the story of Jesus' resurrection on this anniversary of that most glorious event. I want to focus this morning on just one part of the story of Jesus' resurrection. We'll read most of the story as Luke tells it in Luke 24, but I want to focus on just one part, and that is what Jesus himself says about his resurrection, his own words. Three times we hear the words of Jesus. 
speaking about his resurrection from the dead. He speaks a lesson that every successful student has learned, that every mother who has given birth has experienced, that every Christian martyr has died for. A lesson that Jesus embodied in his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's a lesson that he calls us to live out today until he comes again. Let's begin our reading in Luke 24 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. The women went to the tomb, fully expecting the tomb to be closed up and Jesus' body to be inside. But the tomb was open, and Jesus' body was gone, and in his place, two men in gleaming clothes suddenly appeared. Angels! And the angels reminded the women of what Jesus had foretold back in chapters 9 and 18 in Luke. He had foretold that he would be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and then be raised again. Jesus had foretold his suffering and his resurrection. He had known what would happen, and he had known how it would all end. Well, as the story goes on, in verses 9 to 12, the women tell the 11 apostles, it's usually 12 apostles, but Judas, who betrayed Jesus, had taken his own life by this time. So just 11. The apostles hear about it. They can't believe it. Peter runs to the tomb to see what's going on. He finds it empty except for the strips of linen, the burial cloth left behind, and he goes away wondering what has happened. And then Luke takes us to another scene a little bit later, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. 
He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. These two disciples of Jesus, uh, we know the name of one of them, Cleopas, and then he has a companion there too. These two disciples are brokenhearted and bewildered as they walk. They had thought Jesus was a prophet, the hope of Israel, but now he was dead and gone. And then the women had said they saw angels, and Jesus' body wasn't there in the tomb. And so these two disciples are confused. And I love how Jesus walks with these two disciples, listens to them, but they don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him somehow. We don't know how. Maybe he looked a little different being resurrected. Maybe they just didn't expect to see him again. He doesn't reveal who he is. He just listens. And then when he finally does respond, he rebukes them for not believing the message of the prophets. He explains in verse 26, and this is the key verse for our lesson today. The Messiah had to suffer and then enter his glory. It had been foretold in Scripture. Isaiah 53 would be the prime example, the longest, most detailed prophecy of the Messiah's suffering. It talks about how the servant of God would suffer and then afterward would be glorified. Jesus' followers, like Cleopas and his companion here, probably expected the Messiah to rise up, take the throne of Israel, overthrow Roman control by the power of God, and establish a permanent kingship over God's people. I think that's what they mean when they say we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. Suffering wasn't part of that plan. Everyone would rather enjoy success without difficulty. But Jesus explained how the scriptures prophesied everything that had happened to him. He had to suffer first then enter his glory. Well, as the story goes on in verses 28 to 35, Cleopas and his companion persuade Jesus to stay with them uh, in the village that they're traveling to. And when they get there, they sit down together at the table to eat. And Jesus takes bread, gives thanks, breaks it, begins to give it to them. It's just like what he did at the Last Supper. And Suddenly, they recognize him. And they realize who they've been talking with this whole time, who had opened the scriptures to them and gotten them so excited as they began to see what God had been doing all along. And when they recognize him, then he suddenly disappears. He just vanishes. And they get up and they race back to Jerusalem to tell the apostles and the other disciples that they have seen Jesus. And they find the group saying, It's true. Jesus had risen. He had appeared to Simon Peter. Now he's appeared to these two disciples as well. And then he appears to the whole group. And he will speak one more time about his resurrection. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. 
And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus suddenly appears to the entire group. Apparently, he just appears out of thin air. Naturally, they think he's a ghost. But he gives two evidences that he is not. He shows them his hands and his feet. Flesh and bones. Ghosts don't have those. And he eats a piece of broiled fish. Ghosts don't eat fish. Then Jesus begins to explain how everything that happened to him had, ha had to happen in order to fulfill the prophecies in Scripture. In verses 46 and 47, he explains further how it was foretold that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and then repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. His followers, he says, are witnesses. In the book of Acts, which is Luke, volume 2. He wrote two books, and Acts follows right upon the end of Luke. In Acts, they will be sent out to testify as witnesses to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. First, though, before he sends them out, Jesus instructs them to wait in Jerusalem until what God the Father promised to them comes. And that will be the coming of the Holy Spirit. Three times Luke shares with us Jesus' own words about his resurrection as he tells us what happened after Jesus was raised. First, the angels quote Jesus predicting his suffering and his resurrection. Second, Jesus says he had to suffer first and then enter his glory. And third, Jesus puts it all together. The Messiah had to suffer, then rise from the dead, and then repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all nations. A mother endures her suffering, then exults in the glory of the new life that she has brought into the world. A student sets aside everything else they'd rather be doing and studies diligently for the glory of graduation and more than that, the glory of getting a good education and more than that, the glory of being well prepared for life and for the work that God will have for them to do. The martyrs submitted to suffering even to the point of death, believing that their suffering will lead to glory in the presence of God himself. Jesus, fulfilling the words of the prophets, suffered first, then entered his glory. He did not simply come and conquer, but he suffered first. In his suffering, his body became a sacrificial offering to God, in payment for our sins. So that now, as Jesus told his followers, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Repentance, that's our turning to God. It's our giving up the life that we have 
and pledging our lives to God, finding new life in him. This is the meaning of baptism, that as we are buried in the water of baptism, we die to ourselves, we leave that life behind. And as we come up out of the water, just as Jesus came up alive out of the grave, we are born into a new life in God. On the basis of our repentance, God forgives our sins. Instead of holding all our wrongdoing against us, everything that comes between us and God, God considers it all paid for by the body and blood of Jesus when he suffered on the cross. And so everything we've done that comes between us and God is taken away, and we are freed from God's judgment. And Jesus said this great message would be preached not only to the people of Israel, but uh, not only to the Jews, but to all nations. God offers his kindness to everyone. He reaches out to every person. And so we honor Jesus because it's through Jesus that God saves us from judgment. And it's because of Jesus that we believe God will raise the dead. And so Jesus was glorified. And his glory is of two types. He is honored as uh, the son of God, the savior of the world, supremely glorified as our hope, our joy, our Lord, our brother and our friend, our model, and the first person to die and rise again for eternal life. And then he is glorified in another way as his father, our God, glorifies him. He is glorified in the presence of God today. And this is where Luke ends his story in volume one of his two-part work with one last surprise and with a mystery, a glorious mystery. So verse 50, to finish out the book of Luke, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The surprise here is that Jesus ascends. He simply goes up. He's taken up into heaven. The mystery is, well, where exactly did he go? What does this mean? And Acts 2 verse 33 will tell us he was taken up to God's right hand. And so he lives to this day, glorified in the presence of God. No more suffering, but great glory as he leads his church until he comes again. At God's right hand, Jesus is glorified, King of kings and Lord of lords. But first he had to suffer and then enter his glory. The lesson for us today is simple. Not many of us like suffering or difficulty, but if we follow Jesus, then we must suffer first, then enter our glory. There's no such thing as an easy Christian life. There's no such thing as following Jesus without taking up your cross. There's no such thing as skipping the suffering and going straight to glory. And the application of the lesson is this. Because we will have to face suffering, like Jesus did, we must endure like Jesus did.
endure with great hope. Endure with great hope because when our suffering is done, God will give us glory as he gave Jesus glory. The empty tomb stands as a reminder that God has promised that every person who takes up their cross for Jesus will receive glory like Jesus. Last year, we weren't even able to meet together on Easter Sunday to celebrate the anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. The past year has been a year of endurance. We would not have chosen to suffer in this way. Yet through all our hardships, we have never lost hope. Why? Because our hope is in God. We've had many things to keep us encouraged this past year and to give us hope. But most of all, our hope is in God. And we believe God raised Jesus from the dead. And so what ha- whatever happens in this life, we trust in his promise that after our suffering comes glory. We live in a world broken by sin and death. Things go wrong here. We often face pain and struggle and disappointment. We do not want it to be that way. We frequently pray to God to relieve our suffering in this broken world or to give us escape from our suffering. Yet because God raised Jesus from the dead, we believe glory follows suffering. So we look forward to that new heaven and new earth promised in the books of Isaiah, 2 Peter, and Revelation. That world that is not broken, where life works the way God intended, where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain, but glory as we live in the presence of God. We struggle daily. We struggle with our children. We struggle with our parents. We struggle with ourselves, just trying to be who we wish we could be. We struggle with our bodies, pain and disease and the difficulties of old age, and injury, and fear, and sometimes the body just doesn't work right, and we don't know why. We struggle with our finances. We struggle in our jobs. We struggle in our marriages. We struggle in our singleness. We struggle to be faithful to God, whatever our situation. We struggle with our concern for people who are weak, We ache and we labor for widows and widowers who need help because God loves them and we love them too. We struggle and and we ache and labor for children in vulnerable situations whom God loves so much and we do too. We struggle for our neighbors going through hard times, for family members who are hurting, for those who are most in need in our community. And the church, our dear family in the Lord, whom we love so much, We struggle in prayer for the church and we labor to serve in ways that will bless the body of Christ. And God, God most of all, we struggle to be true to God. We don't like to struggle. We don't like to suffer. We prefer to find ways around the suffering. Sometimes we even get angry at God when he doesn't take away the suffering. But Jesus modeled for us that our suffering is not foreign to God's plan for our lives. He uses it. He strengthens us through it. He demonstrates his power to help us endure it. And in the end, he will reward those who suffer and endure in his name.
First comes suffering, then comes glory. The Lord has reminded us of this truth frequently in Scripture. And if you, if you received a bulletin this morning, I'd like you to take out the, uh, the paper that was incited, or you can just read off the screen if you like. Some readings for us to share together. Read these with me and let the Lord remind us of his promise that if we suffer with Christ, we will also share in his glory. Listen to how many times the Lord says to us that if we suffer with Christ, we will share in his glory. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 
I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Thank you for sharing these readings with me. God, so many times in Scripture, has told us, reminded us, reminded us again, first comes suffering, then comes glory. We see it in the success of a student. We celebrate it in the birth of a little child. We rejoice in the hope of the martyr's vindication in eternal life. But our hope behind this great truth is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The model for our lives is Jesus himself. How he did not run from the suffering he faced, but in obedience to God, he suffered and died, then was raised from the dead, and now stands glorified at the right hand of God. First comes suffering, then comes glory. We live in a broken world. We suffer. But by God's grace, we look forward to glory in eternal life. So whatever difficulties you encountered this week, whatever suffering you face, remember Jesus and his empty tomb. You are not alone. He suffered too, and he helps his people every day. He will help us endure. But his empty tomb reminds us that, our, that after our suffering comes glory. Endure like Jesus did. Keep your eyes on God. And in due time, as you follow Jesus through suffering, you will also follow him into glory. May God speed that day. And may he daily keep our eyes on the empty tomb of Jesus to help us endure. May God bless you today. Let's pray together. On this Easter Sunday, dear God, as we remember uh, in a special way the resurrection of Jesus, as we share the story together again, Lord, we remember his suffering and we remember uh, his victory and his glorification. And Lord, we, uh, as we walk with Jesus, as we stand with him, Lord, we are grateful for your promise that after suffering comes glory. Lord, I could not possibly name the, the suffering uh, in totality that is represented in this church alone, just right here, the people present and those with us online, those listening to the recordings later. Lord, each person has different struggles and, and uh, some are very similar and some are very unique and some are very, very hard. Some, Lord, we roll with pretty well from day to day and others just burden us so heavily. Lord, hear our prayers. Give us relief, Lord, wherever relief will do us good, wherever it will accomplish your will in our lives. And Lord, when you do not give us relief, give us endurance that we may stand strong as Jesus did that we may be faithful as Jesus was, that we may share in the glory that you have given him when he comes again. Thank you for the excellent promise you have given us. Thank you, dear God, for your church. Bless your church today. Bless your church in the year to come. We pray, Lord, that we might grow in faith and that the difficulties of this past year may make us stronger in the year to come. We pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, and that you would give us great joy in the year ahead. 
We thank you for being our God. We thank you for Jesus, our Lord, who died for us and who by your power was raised from the dead to give us life and to give us hope. We praise you and in Jesus' name we pray to you. Amen. Amen.